All right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And hey, look, I've got a very special guest here today in studio. <laughs> this guy right here is one of the, the greatest people that I know and one of the smartest guys as far as union and everything that is involved in the union uh, that you'll meet. His name is Jason Ashley. He's a national officer, so I feel distinguished right now in the fact that I've got a national officer sitting in my studio. So I'm going to let him talk. He's going to talk about single track, multi-track discipline. And so I'm going to leave it to him. He's going to take over. Y'all listen up because this man knows what he's talking about. So Jay, welcome to From Aid Arbitration. It's all yours, my brother. Well, thank you for the introduction there, Corey. Uh, this studio is state-of-the-art, by the way. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I was prepared for the introduction Corey gave me because everywhere we go together, no matter where we are, if he's introducing me to a person or a group of people, he tells them I'm a national officer. So every time I have to say what I'm about to say right now, I'm not a national officer. Furthermore, I, I don't speak for the NALC here on the podcast here today. Now, Corey wanted me to talk to you guys a little bit about multi-track versus single-track discipline. Uh, so there's two competing theories when you're talking about this related to the appropriate degree of discipline in relation to a letter carrier's past record. Now, this is something you may not deal with now, but as, as all y'all know out there, the only constant in the post office is change. So you may get a new MPU, and they may be a single-track person. Uh, you may get a new district manager. They may be a single-track person. So we're just going to talk a little bit about what that means. Now, I subscribe to the theory of multi-track discipline, and the reason being it comes from the first sentence of Article 16. And here's what it says. In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. Then the JCAM on page 16.2 goes on to explain that language. Now, this is the, the national parties have agreed to this language. It says the requirement that discipline be corrective rather than punitive is an essential element of the just cause principle. In short, it means that for most offenses, management must issue discipline in a progressive fashion, issuing lesser discipline, e.g. a letter of warning, for a first offense and a pattern of increasingly severe discipline for succeeding offenses, e.g. short suspension, long suspension, discharge. The basis of this principle of corrective or progressive discipline is that it is issued for the purpose of correcting or improving employee behavior and not as punishment or retribution. So in other words, to me, the national agreement is unambiguous on this issue. Discipline must be corrective rather than punitive, and the national parties and, and most every arbitrator out there will say that in order to be corrective, discipline has to be progressive. All right, now, you know, you run into CCAs and National Arbitrator Doss, which, you know, this is something I'll never understand. Uh, he said that discipline for CCAs has to be corrective, but it doesn't have to be progressive. That makes no sense at all because the two are one and the same. Now, when I'm talking about multi-track discipline, you know, this is what I mean, and like I said, it's based on the language of the national agreement. So let's just say, for example, we've got a carrier whose attendance isn't so good, so management issues a letter of warning. 
And let's assume that, you know, for whatever reason, that letter of warning sticks. Well, the attendance doesn't improve, continues to miss a lot of work. Uh, now, assuming that management can meet all the other uh, principles of just cause, the next step would be a seven-day suspension, right? To be corrective, therefore progressive. So that, that's what we think. That's what I think. Okay, for each behavior that management determines needs to be corrected with discipline, then you've got to have a track for each one of those things. Okay, now here's what management believes in a lot of cases. They believe in single-track discipline. So let's take our same example we just talked about. You got a letter of warning for attendance and a seven-day for attendance. Now this same letter carrier goes out on the route and has a wreck. Well, management in a lot of places is going to go ahead and give them a 14-day, right? Because that's where they are in the progression. They've got a letter. they got a seven-day. So management's going to give them a 14-day. Now, you know, that's where I say, and that's where you should say as the steward, you know, wait a minute now. What happened to corrective rather than punitive? What happened to progressive discipline? You've got to make that Article 16, the first sentence of Article 16, you've got to make that argument, and you've got to bring out the language in the JCAM on 16.2 that says discipline should be corrective rather than punitive and therefore progressive. So in this example, if this carrier, if management determines that this carrier, you know, deserves some sort of discipline for this accident, then they got to go back to a letter of warning. That's how we see that. How else are you not being punitive if you don't do that? Now, one, one tactic management will use, because they know we're right here, they know we're right about a multi-track discipline. That's why they try to pigeonhole Anything a letter carrier may do wrong into, you know, they'll call it improper conduct or unacceptable conduct or failure to follow instructions or unacceptable work performance. No matter what you do, you know, they've given you an instruction somewhere along the way about, you know, anything that, that has to do with your job. So they're going to try to grab all those things, put them under one tent that you're failing to follow instructions. But look, don't let them get away with that. Okay, what is the underlying cause for the discipline? That's why it's important as a steward to investigate, spend some time, get into this carrier's past record, look at that request for discipline or request for appropriate action, whatever they call it in your district. Get into that. What has management cited as an element of this employee's past record? You know, don't just look at the charge. You know, like I said, they'll try to put everything under one tent. Look at the discipline itself that they're relying on. What was the underlying cause of that discipline? Okay, and if it's not related reasonably to this new charge, then we got to make this argument that management has skipped some steps in the disciplinary procedure. Okay, they're not being corrective. They're not being progressive. The discipline is punitive. You've got to make those arguments at informal and formal step A. You know, everything that Corey has been trying to teach you guys uh, about making these arguments at the local level is extremely important, you know, looking at it from the lens of an advocate. Because as most of you probably know, after formal step A, there's no new arguments allowed, no new evidence allowed. So if you don't make these arguments locally and Corey gets it at arbitration, he's going to play hell trying to get all these new arguments on the record. You know, some arbitrators are, are more likely than others 
to allow new arguments, new evidence in, but it's certainly no guarantee that that stuff is going to get in. Okay, that is why it's extremely important, it's crucial for your brothers and sisters to make all these arguments as early as you can, get them documented. Now, I've got a site here that I like to use, and it's from my favorite arbitrator, arbitrator Glenda August. And sort of the background of this case is there's a letter carrier who was involved in an accident. Management put him on 16-7 and removed him. Now, he had some attendance discipline in his record, I think a letter of warning. Uh, just a month or so prior to this incident, he had had an, a wreck, and he did not immediately report the wreck to management, which is a huge no-no. Uh, you got to. That's the first thing you got to do if you have an accident. You got to report it, no matter how minor it may seem. So this carrier got a 14-day for failing to report an accident. So he's got a letter for attendance, a 14-day for failing to report an accident. Then he has another at-fault accident where he's put on 16-7 and he's removed. And here's what arbitrator August says in cigar number 34520. So she writes in her award, Article 16 requires that disciplinary action be corrective in nature, and although the grievant had inv been involved in a prior at-fault accident, the main reason for the discipline issued in that case was the employee's failure to report. So that's what I'm talking about. So Arbitrator August even makes that differentiation here that even though the carrier was involved in a prior wreck, that's not really what the discipline was for. The discipline was for him failing to report the accident. She even makes that distinction, which, you know, you may not find that with a lot of arbitrators, but that's just an example. And then she goes on to cite arbitrator Irving in a case that's extremely similar to this one, and then she writes, likewise in the instant case, the grievance prior disciplinary history was not all related to safety infractions, and the mistakes made in the accident at issue here were not so egregious as to rise to the level of removal. The parties to the national agreement make it necessary, by the language of their collective bargaining agreement, for management to consider the 18 years of service by arbitrator Irving's grievance and the eight years of service of the grievance in the instant matter. There's the tenure argument again that I have know Corey's talked to y'all about in the past. It's a very important argument. She goes on to say the notice of removal issued by management was not appropriate given the fact circumstances and evidence of record. The grievant must be given an opportunity to correct his behavior and prove that he can and will adhere to the safe driving rules established by the Postal Service. So again, remember that tenure argument. Remember the argument about multi-track versus single-track discipline. Do your research. Get into those prior disciplinary actions management's relying on. Make sure they're related to the current charge. And let's do the best we can to represent our brothers and sisters.